0: Speaking of Lent, I uh, meet with Pastor Will over at Hope Church every so often, and we've decided that during Lent, we're going to partner together. Um, And so last week, if you were here, you heard Pastor Will bring a a message about what uh, Lent means in terms of feasting and fasting. And this morning, I had the opportunity to go and share um, a message with them this morning and then hustle over here. And uh, it's been... um, I told them as I started, I said, I don't know why preaching a sermon there felt so different than like, hey, it's Sunday, I'm going to go preach, but it felt like a field trip. I don't know, it was weird, it was like, but anyways, um, I'm really excited to be, I guess, back home with you all, and uh, we're exploring, uh, as we go into Lent, we're exploring this idea of of family this morning, as God um, kind of invites us to take another step with Jesus into this wilderness where we let Jesus uh, invite us into a new kingdom, and so um, today I want to talk to you about family. But I want to talk about family in such a way that it helps us to understand what God is doing in the world and in our lives. And so the way that I want to do that is talk about um, our crazy relatives. Right? Every family uh, maybe has one—the black sheep, the the uh, square peg that won't fit in the round hole, the one that's like. The oddball in the family, Um, every family's got at least one. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's probably you, Um, right? If you're not aware of this scenario, you're probably the (laughs) oddball. But uh, in our story today, um, so if you are that that black sheep or that oddball or the the square peg, um, take heart, because in our story today, Jesus is the black sheep, the oddball, the, the one that sees things differently, um, the crazy relative that the rest of the family has to go gather and uh, bring home because he's off rambling about something else. But let's take a look at Mark chapter 3, uh, verses 31 um, through chapter 4, verse 9. So we a little bit of chapter 3, a little bit of chapter 4 in the gospel of Mark, and we'll see what Jesus is up to. And what this has to do with family. So it should be on the screen or if you want to follow along with your Bible or Bible app or however it is that you um, follow along. So Mark chapter 3 verse 31. Then Jesus or Jesus's mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and mother? And my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by Parables. And in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Though other seed fell on good soil, it came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. This is the word of God for the people of God, and our response is thanks be to God. Um, pray with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, we, um, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful for this story from the life of Jesus. Um, And so may we enter into a time of listening. As Jesus said, let those who have ears hear. Uh, May we hear what it is that you would have to say to us. Not just information about you, but to hear who it is that you are and who it is you are shaping us to be. May you bless this time. It's in your son's name amen so our scripture text today is one of those that reminds us that chapters and verses weren't actually part of the Bible when these original stories were written now some of us may know this and though that's obviously we knew that when you know Paul wrote a letter he didn't write dear church of Corinth you know verse one you know, Hi, verse two, what's going on? Like he didn't write the numbers in. Like we know that that are letters and their the psalms, you know, their poems and laments and, and their stories. And in the original original form, they didn't have chapters and verses. Um, now chapters and verses are really helpful um, for us, like today. We said, you know, let's turn to chapter three, let's study chapter two, we're gonna read these verses, we're gonna translate these verses. Like it gives us a point of context, a point of reference. Um those things didn't kind of end up in their form uh, that they're in until like the 13th century. So, I mean, it's been a while, but it wasn't original, um, you know, 1,200, 1,300 years after Jesus. Um, and, and like I said, those, those chapters and verses can be helpful. I mean, they're really helpful when we want to study or uh, refer to something. But sometimes they can inadvertently shape our understanding of a story They can interrupt or distract or make us believe that there's a break in a story that isn't normally a break, right? And so in our scripture today, we started in chapter 3 and we moved into chapter 4. Now you would think, and then once you hear the the context a little bit, you would think that chapter 3 would be, you know, after we read the last uh, verse there about the sowers and the, the soil and the seeds being sown, that that would be the end of one story. And then when in chapter four, verse one, it says, and then Jesus went out and got in a boat on the lake. Oh, we're starting a new story. And those are two separate things, right? And then kind of a clean cut break, you know, chapter break and all of that. But when Mark, the author of the gospel, of Mark wrote, he didn't have a chapter break in there. He was telling a story. And so while it is the, kind of the next chapter, um, Mark didn't intend it to be a break. Um, And so because of the way the the Scripture kind of changes and because of the chapter break, we might get the impression that these are two separate teachings and they're not connected. And if we believe that, if we come to that conclusion, we're going to miss out on some depth and some meaning in the teaching of Mark here. Um, And so um, what we'll do, kind of starting out, is we'll we'll address them as separate texts. We'll talk about Jesus' family story, and then we'll talk about the seed's and the soils separately. But the goal is to see how those things are connected. And with that to understand what's what's going on kind of maybe at a deeper level. Um, see what Jesus is doing here. Um, so let's first look at the text on Jesus' family and the text of the sower and seeds as separate texts. Okay? Jesus was teaching to a crowd in chapter three. Right? There was a crowd that had gathered around him. This was not unique. Jesus seemed to always have crowds and his crowd had gathered around him. And we started reading in chapter 3 and verse 31, but um, if we rewinded back to verse 20 in that same chapter, it tells us that Jesus had entered into a house. Right? Nothing drastic. We didn't need to put it on on the reading and read all that, but it's just Jesus entered into a house. And in this part of Scripture that we did read, it said that Jesus' mother and his brothers are outside the house not entering the house, and they're looking for him. But they pass the word along to people in the house. Hey, tell Jesus his mom and his brothers are looking for him, but they didn't go in the house, right? And this may seem like a minute detail, not a big deal, um, but Mark included it in his story, so it's, it's, it's good to ask why is this there, especially when we see Jesus' response, right? So the message gets to Jesus, hey, your, your mom and brothers are outside, and Jesus's response is what he says. Who are my mother and brothers? And then he looks around the, the room in this crowded house at the the crowd that had gathered and said, "These are my mother and brothers and sisters." Right? Like a bit of an overreaction, Jesus. Like what do you way to be dramatic, right? Like what is what is he up to here? Um, I mean, picture the conversation in in modern context, right? Like. Hey, Jesus, your family's outside wanting to talk to you. Those aren't my family. You're all my family. Like, what are you doing, Jesus? Right? Like, what is, what is happening here? Um, and if you're like me at all, this response might make you a little bit uncomfortable. It might make you curious or confused. Um, it's awkward. Um, for most of my years in church, I've been taught that God wants us to to uh, have a high level of duty and commitment to our immediate family. Um, you might even say that we've been called to focus on our family, um, that this is part of the church culture, that we have a responsibility towards our family members, to love them, to care for them, to provide for them, all these things. Like There's a whole subculture in Christianity of family uh, cultures and roles, Um and that as Christians, our responsibility is to our family. And yet, in, in this moment, what appears to be Jesus denying and renouncing his own family and embracing a crowd that had gathered around him. So this, like I said, this is what made me uncomfortable. What are we? What is happening here? I mean, isn't Jesus' commitment to his family? If you were Mary or his brothers, wouldn't you feel a little bit put out? I mean, how can he say this? They're not my brothers and my mother. But again, we have to jump backwards to a verse that wasn't included in our scripture reading for this morning. But if we jump back to verse 21, it says that when he heard about this. Um, so when his family heard about Jesus entering into this house teaching, right? That's the context. When, when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him being Jesus. For they said, "He is out of his mind." <laughs> there goes crazy Uncle Jesus, off ranting to the crowd. We better go get him, right? Like, and, and this was small villages. Everybody knew everybody. You know, this is going to embarrass the family. This is going to ruin the reputation. This is going to affect everything. So we better go get. We better go get Jesus. You know, the scripture says <laughs> they want to take charge of him. <laughs> like, let's go get this guy under control. Because they thought he was out of his mind. They came to the house where he was teaching. But refused to enter in. Verse 32 says that they stayed outside and sent a message into the house. And so Jesus responds. Those who listened to Jesus. Those who received what Jesus had to give them. Those who, as the Bible said, circled around him in the house. He said, those are my family. Those who did not receive his teaching, those who stayed outside the house, those who thought he was out of his mind, are not part of this new, redefined family. Those who were, let um, see if you can figure out where I'm going with this, those who were good soil, allowed Jesus to sow seeds that would take root and grow, would see it become a crop that was multiplied. But those who were rocky soil or had thorns or fell alongside the road would never allow the teachings of Jesus to take root and grow into a crop. I said before that we're going to treat these as two separate stories or two separate texts, but as you start to hear the context of the story about his family, you start to see why the Gospel of Mark transitions to this conversation about seeds and soils. And we'll start to understand that as we understand the context, we'll start to see that they're not only connected, but there's a deeper meaning going on here if we understand the connection. There's a connection between being good soil and being part of Jesus's family. Now, on on the midweek devotional, and those of you who may not know, um, so part of our Lent setup is on weeks where, um, where Will preaches at both hope and hear, um, I prepare a, just a 15-minute devotional that gets shared in the middle of the week um, on the Facebook page, um, uh, sent out the email um, through the newsletter thing that I do, um, and so that went out, and, I, and then on the other weeks, it's, it's vice versa, so this week you'll get uh, a video message from Will, um, but in that midweek devotional that I prepared, I talked about how Lent was an invitation to follow Jesus into the wilderness, And that the wilderness is not part of a kingdom. This is how the the image of wilderness works. It's not part of a kingdom. It is the land between kingdoms. Right? So you've literally left the place that is home. And you follow Jesus into no man's land. And to get there you have to leave some things behind. And that's where this whole idea of of fasting kind of ties in. We let go of some things to follow Jesus into the wilderness. It's... A place where you let go of these attachments, where you examine your own heart, where ultimately you choose which kingdom you want to move back into. Right. So now you're in no man's land, you've got no commitments, no ties to any kingdoms, and you get to choose during Lent if you're going to follow Jesus towards the cross or if you're going to turn back to the kingdom of this world. And so Lent is this time where we ask if we are going to receive Jesus as the word of God in flesh, or if we're not going to receive Jesus as the word of God. Lent is a time where we hear the word of God and decide if we're going to receive it as good soil, letting it take root and grow in us, letting it uh, make a plant that would multiply and bear good fruit, or if we're going to be rocky and thorny soil. The good news of Lent, and there is good news. I know oftentimes as we talk about Lent, we start with you know, Ash Wednesday, and we start, you know, from dust you have become, and, and like we look at our own uh, mortality and our own uh, fragile nature and our own um, limitations. That's kind of what Lent is. But there is good news in Lent. And the good news of Lent is that the members of Jesus' family are those who hear the word of God and do God's will. Right? That's what Jesus says. These are the members of my family, those who hear the word of God and do the will of God. As Jesus redefines his family, he opens the gates to the kingdom of God. As he removes barriers between himself and others, as, uh, as he redefines what his family is, we are invited to become a part of that family. Jesus redraws the boundary of his family and says that those who circle around him, as the scripture said, um, and receive his teaching are now his brothers and his sisters and his mother. We can be included as members of Jesus' family by hearing the word of God, receiving it, letting it take root in such a way that we continue in faithful obedience to God. So why is all that important? I think that's kind of an obvious question, but why is that important? Because as a part of the family of God, we can experience forgiveness of sins. We can experience reconciliation with God. We can experience peace and love and joy and life without end. What amazing grace and what a blessing it is to be a member of Jesus' family. As he redraws the circle and as he invites us to be a part of it, it's a tremendous blessing. It's nothing to take for granted. But Lent is a time of being honest even when looking at that truth is hard. And so while it is good news for some and good news for many of us that Jesus redraws that boundary line of his family, it can also be terrible news for others. Because even his own flesh and blood, even his brother, his brothers and his mother will not experience forgiveness of sins, they won't experience reconciliation with God and with others, they won't experience peace, joy, and a life with no end without receiving his teaching, without allowing Jesus to sow seeds that take root and grow into a crop. So even his own flesh and blood, his own family are outsiders if they're unwilling to to hear the word there's no free passes into the kingdom of god even if your mother <laughs> is mary right mary didn't get a free pass in she was still outside the house she was outside the circle that jesus says this is my family so if the members of jesus's family are those who hear the word of god and do the will of god then those who don't hear Those who don't listen and those who don't obey the word are not his family. And like I said, Lent is a time of looking at the truth even when it is a hard truth. And so we look at the reality that Jesus reveals a new kingdom, an alternative kingdom, an alternative family, a new kind of life with a new king. This is what Jesus brings. But Jesus also says you cannot live in both kingdoms. You cannot live in both the old kingdom and the new kingdom. You can't serve two different masters, he says in another place in scripture. You can't pledge your allegiance to two different kingdoms. You can't reject the seeds of God's kingdom and hope for the fruit that comes from God's kingdom. Hard, rocky soil resists God's kingdom. Thorny soil suffocates and chokes the new growth that results from receiving the word of God but good soil. Jesus's family members are those who hear the word of God, who let it take root and let it grow. Let it multiply until it is fully developed and creates a bountiful harvest. And so the invitation for all of us today is to hear the word, to be one of those who circle around Jesus, who have gathered inside the house to hear his teaching, to enter, to hear his teaching to be good soil in which the seeds that Jesus sows takes deep root, in which the seeds that Jesus sows can grow into a plant that bears a great crop. And so the invitation for us today is to allow God to plant seeds in your life and allow God to shape who you are becoming. Allow God to plant seeds in your life and allow God to shape who you are becoming. And that's important because we won't experience the life that God has for us without receiving God. Right? We, we won't receive the, the, the fruit, the blessings, the, the, the great harvest, the crop, that, you know, as the scripture said, was 30, 60, and 100 times multiplied. We won't receive that without actually receiving what God has for us, without receiving God himself. He says, those who hear the word of God and do the will of God are members of Jesus's family. Now, the challenge is that there are so many competing words and there are so many competing wills that are inviting you to listen and are inviting you to obey. There are things in the world and in our lives that will make us rocky soil that can harden our hearts and can harden our minds to the things that God is trying to say to us and do in us. There are things that are thorns that can grow up next to us, that can grow up in our lives. And these thorns, as the scripture says, will suffocate and choke out the new growth that God has has cultivated and is bringing by the seeds that he's planted. And then there are things that will... um, act as birds that take the seeds and just take it right out of our lives or things that will, uh, as it said, the seeds were along the path and they'll just get trampled underfoot. So Lent is a time to slow down. It's a time to pay deliberate and careful attention to what is happening to these seeds that God is sowing in our lives. What is keeping us from hearing the word of God? What is keeping us from doing the will of God? I'm just going to name a few, and again, this isn't a complete list, but this is just off the, kind of off the top of my head, um, some things that drown out the Word of God or prevent us from walking in the will of God. And like I said, just a short list off the top of my head. We have fear, we have outrage, we have pride, hate, social media and news, us-versus-them mentality, false teachings about who God is, uh, political agendas, a, b- a belief that being right is more important than doing what is right. And on and on and on we go. We can name more. I probably could ask for input and you guys probably name things that would keep us from hearing the word of God and keep us from doing the will of God. But how do we hear? In a world that is filled with noise, with voices, with with thorns, and things that would pack us down to make us rocky soil. How do we hear? How do we obey? How are we made into good soil? Well, again, just a few simple practices. Nothing I'm going to say today is going to be rocket science. It's not going to be revolutionary. You're going to go, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to be doing that. It's, it's going to be simple. Um, but the first is Worship. And so, for those of you who have gathered here in the building or online with us this Sunday morning, you're off to a really good start. <laughs> worship as a regular part of your life, gathering in a weekly worship gathering, is a way to cultivate into good soil, to make sure that you're not becoming rocky soil, that your heart and your mind isn't getting hardened to the things that God would have to say and plant in your life. And worship is more than just singing songs, it's praying. It's reading scripture. It's being generous because God is generous. Worship is our response to who God is and our response to what God is doing. Worship is always an acknowledgement that God is present and God is active. It keeps our eyes focused on who God is. So that's one. Another is discipleship. A commitment to intentionally study to dig deep into the word, to learn new things, to pay attention to what God would reveal to you. Um, discipleship includes connecting with others, though. I mean, you can do independent study, and you know, I go in my room, and I close the door, and I lock it out the rest of the world, and I read my Bible, and that's a good practice. But discipleship also includes connection with community, right? connection with others. They can speak truth into your life. They can say, hey, there's, you got this thornbush thing happening right here you need to take care of. Right? If you want to be more like Jesus, this is the path you should need to walk down. right? It's a commitment to be more like Jesus. That's what discipleship ultimately is. He is the teacher, we are the apprentice. That's what becoming a disciple is. And part of that, like I said, is embracing community, rooting our identity in, with other Christians. There shouldn't be lone wolves in the church. We should be caring for others and others should be caring for you. This is who we are called to be as a church. And so embracing that community is one way to prevent yourself from being uh, becoming rocky soil or having thorns grow up. Right? As you encounter people with needs, you see God at work in their lives. Or as others see God at work in your lives... You're cultivated into good soil. Root your identity in with other Christians. So those are just a couple. Worship, discipleship, community, right? Um, All of that is is geared to help us uh, allow God to plant seeds in our lives and shape who we are becoming, right? Allow God to, to plant seeds in your lives and shape who you are becoming so that you can experience forgiveness of sins, so that you can experience reconciliation with God. So you can experience reconciliation with others. So that you can have the peace and joy and life without an end that God promises you. So that's the invitation. Allow God to plant seeds in your life. Allow God to shape who you are becoming. Allow God to speak into your life and then obey. Jesus says, my family are those who hear the word of God and do the will of god as we um have been preparing for lent um for the past few weeks i've started introducing a a prayer of confession at the end of this at the end of the service Um, it's a prayer of confession that comes from the book of common prayer which is a great resource um, available to all christians and i'm going to pray this prayer for us and with us as the worship team comes to lead us in response but um Join me in prayer of this prayer of confession as we look at the season of Lent where we are seeking for, for us to be good soil, seeking to hear the word of God, and seeking to rid our lives of the things that would keep us apart from God. Pray with me, if you will. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name, amen and amen. And I want you to hear today that God, who is merciful to all who confess their sins, And in humility asks for mercy. And so it's in the name of Jesus Christ that your sins are forgiven. Amen.